Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of October 2011. For newcomers, I always advise you at the beginning of the broadcast to look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see listed there all the other official sites I have. Anything outside of those sites is not mine, just to let you know. And uh, all those sites have uh, audios for free download spanning quite a few years, hundreds to choose from, where I try to give you the big picture of the system that runs the world and where it's all going and how it got here and those behind it. So help yourself to those. Remember, too, those sites listed all have transcripts as well of a lot of the talks for print-up if you want to do that. And if you want to go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can find transcripts in other languages, too, to choose from. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers as guests, and uh, it's up to you to keep me going. Uh, that's a suicidal way, but that's just the way I do it. So if you want to keep me going, you can buy the books, discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and from the U.S. to Canada, you can buy them, or you can donate as well, remember, but you can buy them uh, using a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office, from the U.S. to Canada. You can also send cash, uh, and you can also use PayPal to order. You, and you'll find out how to do it on the cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Uh, across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal as well. And remember, straight donations are awfully welcome, because generally it's the occasional one here or there that, that adds up to keep me going. Uh, sometimes the sales are all down in the books. And uh, it's always the same people who donate all the time too, I notice, but that's the way the world is. Most folk today, especially the young ones, think everything is free, and uh, uh, that's the way they expect it to be, actually. They they have a resentment against having to pay for something. They've been taught everything is free, and uh, that's just the way it's going. So we'll see how long it continues to go on this way. Anyway, I try to show you the big picture, as I say, of the system that runs the world, and it's a system, a coordinated system, big corporations, foundations, uh, with thousands of NGOs getting sponsored by them and your tax money as well, uh, actually run the world, guide the world along this path of change, as I like to call it. They're always changing us into into upgrades of the same system. That's really what it is. It's not new systems. It's upgrading us all at the same time. And now it's worldwide. That's how how much of a grasp they have across the whole world, all of these interlocking Corporations. It's a new feudal system we're going into where the corporations uh, and the CEOs are the feudal overlords. And that's really the way it was designed to be, according to the Milner Group, uh, the Cecil Rhodes Foundation that became the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which has the American branch to the Council on Foreign Relations. They have branches in every country in the world now. And they are the parallel government. They run the world. They advise governments as to what to do uh, about all different matters and aspects of geopolitics and domestic uh, problems too, uh, and financial as well. 
And they also have all the pretty well all of their main characters in the top positions as reporters for every major newspaper, and they have all editors on board as well. So there's no such thing as free uh, news anymore, uh, independent press. There never really was, actually. But um, people still tune into the regular news expecting to hear the absolute truth given to them, never realizing that there's always a spin to something. Remember, truth is... Um, uh, for truth, you have to have all of the facts presented to you. And the simplest way to skew the truth is to simply omit a good portion of the facts, or even a small portion of them sometimes, to completely skew the argument so you'll be left with the proper authorized conclusion that you're meant to come to. That's the kind of system you live in. But mind you, in propaganda, they tell you education is, is awfully essential for all that subsequent propaganda to take effect. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and... It's just astonishing that most folk get hooked on the news as though it's really there, like an appendage to your brain. That's exactly what Brzezinski said in his own book, in fact, many years ago. He said eventually the public will be um, unable to think for themselves. They will expect the media to do their reasoning for them. And that's a sad thing when you expect the regular media to do your reasoning for you. But unfortunately, most folk have been brought up in this kind of innocence you see, they've swallowed their education, they've swallowed their histories, they've swallowed even what their governments are all about and what their whole society is all about. And it's quite easy for them to believe the news, and, and they truly do believe it. Some of them will get very upset when you point out contradictions or show them alternate facts to, to the stories that they're hearing, and they get rather angry, and that's just the way it is. And there are people who are more indoctrinated than others, and more indoctrinable as well. Not everyone can be put under quite so easily, but today the techniques are almost perfect, and Bertrand Russell talked about that many years ago, because he was given one of the first experimental schools uh, for, that was going to be the sort of model for the future. As far back as the 1920s, he was experimenting, even with mixed classes, uh, with the promotion of early uh, intergenerational sex uh, with these classes. Uh, this is a, a time when people have been hung in Britain, for instance, for interfering with children, but he was given uh, the right to do it by the Crown, an actual charter by the Crown to, to do this kind of thing, like an exemption. And they used mainly orphans, etc., which is a common thing when there's no family to stand up for them. And uh, he tried to get them to see if they could get them hooked on sex, sexual activity even before they had puberty. And that was, this is to be a model for the future. And here we all are, and it's all happened. They introduced it all exactly that way, and the formulas worked. And he said, too, that scientific socialism, this indoctrination they'd get at school, uh, would basically eliminate any contagion, contagion of ideas uh, from their parents. And uh, that's happened as well. The children, every so often, are taught n new methods of doing the same kind of things, long division and arithmetic, that kind of stuff. 
so that the parents can't go in and help them with this stuff that they were taught how to do. It's the same answers, obviously, but uh, that was all to make sure they could only bond with the teachers and they'd have less respect for their parents. All psychology was used to separate the generations. It's been awfully effective. But anyway, that's by the by. The whole point is you're living in a scientific socialism in an extent, and government's whole um, mission was to, uh, and is to still take over all the responsibilities through agencies that used to be taken over, taken by the community and, and the family. And they've been awfully successful in doing all of that. Tonight too, I'll put up one of the, uh, the ones who are leading the charge, one of the countries leading the charge for the testing in children. That's from birth really right through your whole life, not just uh, through your childhood, but it's definitely cradle to grave. And it's one of them's called Sure Start. Uh, and it's set up in Britain, uh, you find that um, the EU parliamentarians, or at least the heads of countries, have all been involved in this. They have different names for the same thing in different countries. Sarkozy apparently was also involved in the setting up of the socialist regime that they're using in Scotland, for instance. So I'll put up a couple of links to, to Sure Start to show you the, the massive energy they're putting into children, uh, and through government agencies where every child is assigned basically their own supervisor for an area who must know them throughout their early lives, etc. And that, that's getting them all ready to be uh, what the government claims is. Remember, remember, the whole idea of socialism or Marxism, and it's all closely uh, combined, is that people are, are basically animals that are fit to be trained and can be trained but with Pavlovian style uh, techniques and even beyond that. And this is what it's about. So that the government will have the perfect citizen. Uh, not the other way around. It's, it's the government wants to make the perfect citizen to suit being ruled by the government. And a very politically correct type of citizen as well. Very naive and very obedient. They want obedience, you see. So all these programs, are, as I say, as, as the old, old dream the H.G. Wells talked about from the Fabian Society of literally... Um, creating the perfect citizen as a good obedient slave, if you like. And that's what they're using there. It's called Sure Start in, in Scotland. Uh, and it's, got, it's well underway now. Thousands of agencies all involved across the board of all the different government agencies involved in each child. It's just incredible. It's incredible. Now, we know, too, that um, the system we are in has never been there to help the general public. Um, they're always on about welfare, um, never mind the fact that they gave all everybody's jobs off to China a long time ago. Um, yeah, that's the governments that did that. And then they turn around and blame the public, of course, for not, you know, for not competing enough at the, at the fast food industry and getting into it. And, you know, it's just amazing how they keep breaking the legs off the animal and then kicking it because it can't get up again. But that's, that's what power always does. And power will always do that. It will cripple you and then blame you for the mess that you end up being in. But we also know that government's here to serve uh, its master. And its master truly is money. Money and the bankers that basically lend to governments. Uh, that's who's at the top of the pyramid here. Always has been. And um, you've got to understand that, that the, the ones who lend to governments, these, these mighty men who lend to governments, have the power to, to crash an economy and a government overnight. Every government knows that too. Each one knows that. They've got a sword of Damocles hanging over their heads as long as they're in, and it can be done. 
and in fact, uh, we've seen it uh, instances of that in the past where two or three investors would get together, manipulate the economy in the stock market and crash a country like Britain and, um, and reap millions as rewards for it for themselves. So, but anyway, so anyway, your, your masters really are the banking boys and beneath them they have their, their international socialists, the Putin. Uh, I don't care if they call themselves right wing or left wing, they're all the same these days. And they're all comes from foreign relations members. They, 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 in other words, they belong to a private club. They've sworn allegiance to a private international club. And that takes precedence over every other subsequent oath they take. Now, this new Obama foreclosure plan helps banks at taxpayers' expense. Well, what's new? What, what's new? Every country's done this recently. This is Obama administration has introduced a new program Monday designed to lower monthly mortgage payments for more troubled homeowners. But a key new condition, the plan would shift the financial liability for refinanced loans from Wall Street banks to the American taxpayer. By focusing on lower payments, the program does not confront what our housing experts view as a core problem in the foreclosure crisis, borrower debt that exceeds the value of one's home. Faced with the weak, the big problems too is finding out now who really owns it. There was such, a, such an incredible greed in this market with the bank, big banks and all involved, selling mortgages so fast back and forth all the time. They've lost track of who owns the homes. As he's faced with the weak response to the Home Affordable Refinance Program, the Obama administration is planning to open up the program to all borrowers who, are, who owe more on their mortgage than their home's worth, commonly dubbed being underwater and have not missed their mortgage payment. HARP, H-R-P, has been limited to borrowers who owned, who owned up to 25% more than their home is worth. More than 22% of all home mortgages, or 10.9 million homes, are currently underwater, according to CoreLogic data. Fewer than 900,000 borrowers have elected to go through HARP to date. It's just astonishing that the, the, the utter corruption at the top, and yet you keep the same system going. It really is, isn't it? It really is. White collar crime, it really is probably worth it. Obviously. This is, the revised program also eliminates several fees associated with refinancing that can make the decision to refinance uneconomical for borrowers. But the potential benefit of the eliminated fees could be relatively small if a few thousand dollars worth of fees made refinancing a bad deal for underwater borrowers. The ultimate benefits for refinancing, it can pose uh, would remain limited. So anyway, the whole idea is it's called H-E-R-P, HARP. I get, that's what a mortgage is, isn't it? You just pay till death, you know, till the morgue, basically. And uh, and then you go and play your harp. So I guess that's probably part of it there. Who, who, who cares, really? It's all corruption. Now, the one, the one, of course, in the U.S., Big Pharma's got together again with its, its favorite customer, which is the, the government in the U.S. and elsewhere, too. And they're studying uh, the possible anthrax vaccination for children. Uh, it's just a, a great customer of the government. It's like the flu sh- shots. They, they take on uh, orders for the next 10 years. What a deal. Where else can you go as a private manufacturer, no matter what you're selling, and, and get deals like, oh, yeah, we promised to buy them for the next 10 years. Sign here and they do it. Boom. Taxpayer paid, of course. That's why they like it. Guaranteed payment. So the Obama administration is wrestling with the thorny question of whether scientists should, should inject healthy children with the anthrax vaccine to see whether the shots would safely protect them against a bioterrorism attack. Here we go again. 
The, other, the, the problem is, you see, big pharma and vaccination is bioterrorism. I hope you realize that. The other option is to wait until an attack happens, then try to gather data from children whose parents agree to inoculate them in the face of an actual threat. And it says a key working group of federal advisors in September endorsed testing, sparking objections from those who considered that step, that step unethical and unnecessarily dangerous. The National Biodefense Science Board, oh, NBSB, which ad- I wish they put a dictionary out with all these abbreviations, eh? Which advises the federal government is to meet Friday to vote on its working group's recommendation. Then to the day, do we want to wait for an attack and give it to millions and millions of children? and collect data at that time, says Daniel B. Fagbayo of Children's National Medical Center in Washington, who chaired the group. Or do we want to say, how do we best protect our children? We can take care of grandma and grandpa, uncle and auntie, but right now we have nothing for the children. Oh, this psychology is wonderful in marketing, isn't it? The vaccine has been tested extensively in adults and has been administered to more than 2.6 million people in the military. And they're all sick too, by the way. These are the ones who are still living. But the shops have never been tested on or given to children, leaving it uncertain as how well the vaccine works in younger people and at what dose and whether it's safe. Well, isn't that beautifully the way it's done here too? The vaccine has been tested extensively in adults and has been administered to more than 2.6 million people in the military, but it doesn't tell you all the effects it had on them. That's so, so that's good marketing. Omission again. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. There's also an article here too about uh, really the CIA's acts of terror on people. Uh, and this article's about that too, how they, they kidnap the wrong people and torture them, even though other members come up and, and talk and say they've got the wrong guy. And it doesn't matter if you've got the wrong guy or not. And, and one of them's actually written about it, so I'll put a link up tonight. And it says, uh, it's by a former CIA operative, Glenn Carl. And uh, it goes into what happened with one guy who they mistook for a banker uh, to Bin Laden. And um, he wasn't at all. It was someone else. didn't matter. They even went out and kidnapped this guy's brother and tortured him in the same place just to try and get him to talk, even though they knew and they were told by other operatives it was the wrong guy that they got. didn't matter. See, life is cheap once you're in these, these things. And uh, it doesn't matter uh, what you, who you torture, really. Or how you torture them either. So it's, a, it's quite a horrific thing to actually to, to go through. But I'll put this link up tonight on that too, for you to peruse. And there's not so much horror in the news now. We're getting, a, uh, we're getting really, uh, but there's no passion left, I think, in anyone. I'm sure too that was a great hit with, uh, uh, when, when they saw, uh, the end of Gaddafi there. It's been all over all the different YouTubes and so on. Uh, as you see these fanatics, I'm sure really, were brought in by special forces who were all around that uh, truck, uh, uh, that vehicle that they caught in, supposedly, and they let loose on them to basically tear them to pieces. And I'm sure it's just like all the movies they've all been raised to watch. There's blood and guts everywhere, and that's just another movie to them. Uh, what a society we have. It's a, it's a horror show as everyone becomes desensitized to the most horrific things. Uh, it's just amazing. But again, too, as I say, don't forget that. It's the same when they pulled down the big statue, remember, for about a whole year. This kept showing the one shot 
of all these guys in, in civic clothes yelling and pulling down the statue. And after a year, they showed you the tank and the chains attached to it. They actually pulled it down. Then a year later, they told you that all these guys who were pulling it down in the civic clothes were actually brought in from another country to do it. I mean, you can't believe anything. And it's the same thing, too. They let these guys go at Gaddafi. Uh, to, to try to make it think that, well, the people have done it. See, the people hated him that much. No, these guys would be foreign mercenaries brought in just for this, this particular act. Uh, and they were surrounded by special forces. So uh, that's just the way it's, but it's all us too. It's all to, to con the public back home. All of, uh, all propaganda is, obviously. And it's very well done now and very few folk even question it. Youngsters don't need to think it's great. So just like the video games, blood guts, etc. Another bit of a, a fun thing that we're having just to, you know, in the upper crust of law is to discuss the, the U.S. Declaration of Independence. And it was two groups of lawyers, one from Britain, one from the U.S. And they discussed, was it legal or illegal according to law itself? And, of course, I'm sure they had a good time and feasted well and, and drunk lots of brandy and slapped each other on the, on the back. And I think they all belonged to the British uh, the Bar Association as well. Association, you know, so I'm sure it doesn't matter what, what country they're from. They're all they're all from the same bag, as far as I'm concerned. Doing running some strange laws. I know where it all came from, but but uh, it's all strange if you really look at it, how they figure things out. And as we're going into this, as we are in Big Brother land, as we well know, we're all in Big Brother land now, and everyone buys electronic equipment that enables all this. this, this, this governmental systems and agencies to spy on you. That's their function, really, is to gather data on you while you amuse yourselves and play. It's actually really there to gather data for this wonderful world order that they're bringing in where no secrets can be hidden except for the elite because the elite themselves have all these laws written into it that even they can't even get on Wikipedia unless they allow themselves. Even then they can see what's to be put on it. And... Um, and it, because they're VIPs, you see. And, and see, all information could be used by terrorists. That's what they tell you. So you can find data on everyone except them. So it's just wonderful to be in, in this wonderful world of equality and transparency. It's transparency, isn't it? It's, it's as transparent as frosted glass in your bathroom door. It says, um, this article here, it says, a number of U.S. government requests from data on Google users for use in criminal investigations rose 29% in the last six months, according to data released by the search giant Monday. They get paid for this too, uh, by, by you, tax money, because it's all government agencies that are asking for this. So it's just wonderful, eh, that you're paying to be spied on uh, by your, your government agencies. U.S. government agencies sent Google 5,950 criminal investigation requests for data on Google users and services from January the 1st to June the 30th, 2011, an average of 31 a day. That compared to 4,601 requests from July the 1st to December 31, 2010, the company reported Tuesday in an update to its unique transparency tool. Google says it compiled or complied in whole or part with 93 of such requests, which can include court orders, grand jury subpoenas, and other legal instruments. For the first time, Google's transparency report includes a number of users and accounts affected by such requests, in this case 11,057. The search and software giant also received 92 requests to remove data from its services, including YouTube the requests collectively asked for 757 individual pieces of content to be removed. Google says it complied fully or partially with 63% of the requests, 
The company noted it received a request from law enforcement to take down a video showing police brutality and another for videos allegedly defaming law enforcement officials. Google did not comply with either. It says Google is alone in providing this data to the public, which it says it hopes will give a push to efforts to reform a 25-year-old government privacy law that lets law enforcement get access to users' online communications without having to get a judge's approval. Quite something, isn't it? There's no privacy at all. Most folk don't mind, though. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. Some countries are further ahead in this world order in the socialistic sense than others. And Australia, uh, of course, with all, all Fabian run, of course, for many um, parties have been in their Fabian run. Uh, but uh, they're really pushing ahead with carbon taxes and all that kind of stuff too. It's really energy taxes and it's got a long ways to go because I know where they're going with it all. Anyway, they're also putting in a health survey, like a census, door to door. It says health survey sparks big brother fears. Do you really need this to spark off a big brother fear? Where have you been your whole life? I mean, so we're already here. But anyway, it says here, uh, two participants in the federal government compulsory Australian health service say the experience has been deeply intrusive and a stressful violation of their privacy. A Queensland woman likened the survey process to having Big Brother knocking on her door asking for urine and said the line of questioning intruded into her grief over the recent death of a loved one. And a Victorian woman told the ABC News Online Investigative Unit unit, she's felt strong-armed into giving private health and lifestyle details to a stranger. Up to 50,000 randomly selected adults and children are compelled to take part in a survey which is being conducted by the Australian Bureau of Statistics it's just like George Orwell's 1984. You heard the, the statistics and different things getting rattled off the tannoy system every every minute or so. In consultation with the Department of Health and Aging. It's very interesting, health and aging, because they want to see if we're dying off fast enough, that's why. Aspects of the survey, such as blood tests and urine samples, are submitted voluntarily, but people can be fined $110 a day per day or prosecuted for not taking part or refusing mandatory questions. Most of them would probably say, okay, uh, just stick it in my arm there and take my blood as well, you know, why not? It's not like Big Brother's just watching, he's knocking on your door asking for urine. Queen's, and it says here, the survey announced in last year's budget was described as the most comprehensive research on the health of Australians ever undertaken. At the time, the inclusion of blood and urine sample Sampling sparked headlines such as the ABS come out with your urine sample in the air, and that's a little joke. They always try to make light love with Big Brother, which is the wrong thing to do, actually. The survey participant from Queensland, who wishes to remain anonymous, said she was deeply uncomfortable with the nature of the questioning. I'm shocked that anyone would want a blood and urine sample just out the blue, she said. I haven't even given my doctor that sort of thing for a while because there's no need for it. By the way, see, that's, that's where it should be kept and left, it's with your doctor. That's confidential. It's a confidentiality, patient, uh, doctor, confidentiality. He's your government demanding to know all about you. Do you have any STDs? Have you had them in the past? Do you have them at the moment? All that kind of stuff. Who did you get it from? Are you having an affair? This, I'm not kidding you. This is what comes out of all. And the idiots go along with it. 
They go along with it. They should, if they did 50,000 and 50,000 all went to prison, uh, they'd be hell to pay. And that's the only way you stop these bar stewards from doing these things. It's just saying no. Because they'll keep pushing further and further until you're all doing it. Uh, and people wonder why they have government. <laughs> it's because they're bullies, that's why. Why should the Australian government know more about the health than I do? It's not like Big Brother's just watching. He's knocking on your door. The Victorian participant, he also anonymous, says she was uncomfortable with the interview being conducted in her home and initially sent the email. This, this email, I'll show you the email. It's linked to it as well to the ABC. All these articles are put up at cuttingthroughthematics.com at the end of the broadcast, by the way. And, and, and if you stand at the door, if you don't want to let them in the house, your neighbors hear about all your health and the history and all the rest of it. So they go along with it, and I, I, to be honest with you, I have no, uh, I can't sympathize. I'm sorry. I just, I just cannot sympathize with people who keep getting stomped on in the head, and and they get up generally and and say, well, I got over it. I survived that time, and then wait for the next time. It's your own darn faults, because you see, you have to put government in its place. You know where it's going if you don't. Every country knows the same darn thing. Now, as I say about Libya too, uh, just like it happened with Iraq, it came out just only recently that all the big oil companies went to see, for instance, in Britain, they did in the States too, but they all went to see the Prime Minister Blair when he was in. And uh, and they divvied up the, the oil fields amongst themselves before they attacked Iraq. And of course, the same thing with Libya as well. It's just, uh, it's just plundering and piracy, of course, by the corporations in, in collusion with uh, your governments. But it says NATO countries are set to steal $30,000 from each Libyan citizen. This is a pro-Western corporate media outlets are hurriedly trying to get help uh, to help spin every aspect of the murder of, of Muammar Gaddafi and the ongoing rape and pillage of the Libyan people's assets. This is yesterday Paul Richter of the LA Times wrote an article claiming that Muammar Gaddafi was the richest man in the world, holding some $200 billion in assets hidden all over the globe. Buried deep within the body of his article, the truth finally comes out. But subsequent investigations by American, European and Libyan authorities determined that Gaddafi secretly sent tens of billions more abroad over the years and made sometimes lucrative investments in nearly every major country, including much of the Middle East and Southeast Asia, officials said Friday. Most of the money was under the name of government institutions such as the Central Bank of Libya, the Libyan Investment Authority, the Libyan Foreign Bank, the Libyan National Oil Corps, and the Libya African Investment Portfolio. In other words, it belongs to the people and the government of Libya. But what they're trying to do, you see, is say, no, it's really Gaddafi's, so let's grab it, you see, and, and rob the public of Libya of all that cash. So it says the new $200 billion figure is about double the, the pre-war annual economic output of Libya, which is the largest proven oil reserves in Africa, says Paul Richter. Of the money was invested in Libyan enterprises, presumably for the Libyan people, but because investigators, with in quotation marks, claim Gaddafi could have access to it, the global spin on this wealth owned by Libyan people is what is that was, it was Gaddafi's and not theirs. 
The difference is that if this money belongs to the people of the socialist people, Libyan Arab Jamahiriya, then it must be returned to them and cannot be touched. If it were to belong to Gaddafi, then it simply becomes spoils of war and can be seized by whosoever claims it. The $200 billion figure represents, as Richter points out, about $30,000 for every Libyan citizen. This is the amount that's about to be stolen from the people of Libya. Well, what's new, eh? I've watched this for years now. Do you realize, remember when the Gulf War I started? Do you know how long we've been at war? <laughs> it's perpetual war, constant conflict. That's what the military said. And not only is it conflict abroad, it's conflict on you too at home. And your minds, through psychological warfare, uh, through governmental warfare upon you as well, anti-terrorism, all that stuff, no privacy, it's perpetual and constant conflict. That's that's the name of the game, folks. And in uh, the, the latest military think tank that does the, the, the trends for the, the military for the future, which is published again, the, the recent one, they said this is going to go on up to the year 2050. So uh, that, that's an awful lot of pleasant things to look forward to. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Hmm. So the whole world should be changed after all this, not just the countries that you're all sitting back and munching your chips on and watching Blood and Guts and, and going, oh, oh, look at them killing another one. You know, it's, it's war on you as well. An article too, a very good article here is about, uh, it's, called, it's called The Rational Optimist, Gas Against Wind Power. And it's, it goes through uh, all the nonsense about wind power. It goes through the economy at the moment, looking for energy and how cheap it would be to get alternate sources. Well, the, the, the energy that's sitting in the ground, of course, and how the Greenies are trying to stop this from all happening. They want to go wind with these massive uh, towers all over the countryside, noisy things they are too. Uh, and they produce very little electricity at all. So he goes in through, all, through the pros and cons of either and, uh, and tells you why we're doing this when there's so much gas sitting underneath the country, especially in Britain, and they, they don't want to tap it because they want you to go, go green, go green, you know. By the way, it's got all the statistics too and all the birds and bats and things that get killed by these massive windmills every year. No wonder they're, they're all dying off. I mean, these things get shredded when they fly through these propeller blades. And eagles and everything, there's lots of reports here. It's all on this site anyway. I'll put that up tonight, too, at the end of the broadcast, and you can peruse it for yourself. It's not the same as watching real people getting slaughtered, but you can watch the birds getting killed if you want. It's up to you. And, of course, one of the oldest things that the government's wanted to do for making the perfect citizen was gene screening, basically, the genetics. They've been at this for an awful long time. H.G. Uh, Wells wrote about it in the for the Fabian Society, which is just the left-wing side of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, as opposed to their other side, which runs the corporations. But uh, because they always run both sides of everything, and you find that uh, they've always wanted to create the perfect citizen, who's going to be cheap to maintain, meaning that you won't have any possible diseases, etc. He, he won't uh, fall ill with any of the vaccines. And that's how they make vaccines. They always know there's going to be a certain percentage of variations of gene types that will come down with chronic diseases for, and, and that life will be hell and miserable. And, and actually blame them, those victims actually for having the wrong genes. Can you believe that? Is that incredible? Eh? It doesn't fit with, the, with their vaccines and they're going to change their vaccines to suit you. Anyway. They also want to make sure that they bring up a placid type of people too. So, cheap, so in other words, cheap to maintain, placid, uh, obedient, 
uh, hard working, all that kind of stuff. But here's, it all goes under doing good to help you and your health, you see. Fetal gene screening comes to the market now. Until last week, scrutinizing a fetus's DNA for, as an unborn baby, DNA for indications of genetic abnormalities meant tapping into the mother's womb with a needle. Now there's a test they can do it using a small sample of the mother's blood. And it's called maternity 21. It says a Down's syndrome test that Sequinome of San Diego, California launched in major centers across the U.S. on 17th of October. It's the first of several such tests expected in the market in the next year. They've got a whole batch to let go out. This is just the first one. They always get one that everybody's terrified of, you see, and we've already accepted that, that uh, uh, it's okay to abort people with uh, it's got Down syndrome, you see. Everybody accepts that now even though quite a few percentages, I've not gone through the articles before, are actually false positives. doesn't matter. Anyway, it signals the arrival of a long-anticipated era of non-invasive prenatal genetic screening with its attendant benefits and ethical complications. And it gives you an article to a previous Nature magazine article on this topic. It says, in the future, you'll be able to extract an enormous amount of information from that sequencing data. With the technology in place to sequence the fetal DNA carried in pregnant women's bloodstream, geneticists predict the list of conditions that can be detected by non-invasive means will grow rapidly. Another company, Gene Security Network of Redwood City, California, says its forthcoming tests will also check for another genetic abnormalities and Supernome is studying the feasibility of expanding its tests. So it's all on the cards, really, um, as they come down and down and down to... Uh, really wanting the perfect citizen. Oh, this person may have allergies. You know, they might, so let's abort it. And they might have uh, rhinitis, you know, a runny nose. Let's abort that as well. Who wants that in polite company? Uh, that kind of stuff. And it'll all come down to that eventually. This one's got leadership abilities, but doesn't belong to the right class. Let's, let's get rid of all them, eh? <laughs> That's what it must be. I'm also put up tonight too. See, society now is, de- is dehumanized completely. Uh, society has been broken up. Over uh, the last, since really since about the 50s onwards, just just escalating uh, to the present time, where as I say, communities one time looked after each other, and I do remember the times like that when I was small. You know, your your mum would make soup or stew or something and send it to someone across the street, and you take it in there. They're just out of a hospital, and you took care of those people. Now government does everything now with with authority behind them too. You know, all these rules and regulations and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And you can't do that. They want to test the soup first and see if it's poisoned or up to their standards or down to their standards, I should say, and stuff like that. So uh, this is happening worldwide. And it's what's interesting, though, is this article about China. And I'm sure you've all heard about the little, the little uh, toddler that got run over in China. It's all over YouTube, etc., and the newspapers, and how the car didn't stop. It just, well, it stopped, actually, on top of the child and rolled over to make sure it was dead, really. And uh, because it's actually worse if you if, if you'd injured it, you, the government would make you pay uh, the, the the medical costs and probably a life uh, policy for that child. And you see all these people going past it, all this child, you know, a bit of curiosity. But that's unfortunately the way in China. That is the way in China. Life is awfully cheap there, awfully cheap. Believe you me. And um, it's a model state for the world. So I'm putting up the, the YouTube ones for those who like gruesome stuff to see what happens, but also a link up to a write-up on it to explain what's happening in China, why that sort of thing happens, and what life is like under really a, a centralist, totally centralist-type government system. Remember, it's still communistic. And um, 
And how everyone's terrified of even getting caught doing anything. Even even if someone falls down, you won't help them in case you get sued by the government uh, for knocking that person down, even if you didn't do it. It doesn't matter. And there's, there's actually examples like that there. And then you may, may end up getting plasticized and put on some wires and sent off to Hollywood to appear in a movie, you know, as a corpse, that kind of thing. But that's a moral state for the world, and this is what they want. Just produce, 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 be cheap, work very cheaply, uh, consume very little, uh, and uh, just walk over the dead, basically. Think about it, folks. Think about it. And that's our, our, our most favored nation uh, trading partner. That's the status they have under the free trade agreement with the World Trade Organization. Yeah. And we're all going to be like that. The UN keeps saying it's a moral state for the world. Well, I don't want to live in that kind of society for myself, personally. Man, you know, no one's asking me. Have you been asked? And of course, you don't get asked about anything, do you? You're too busy enjoying yourselves playing. You know, this would be the only society that goes down the tube. Uh, it's a new phenomena because they're going down the tube uh, eating stuff that's still called food. It's all junk and rubbish and artificial. It doesn't matter, uh, but they can go down the tube being pretty poor uh, and vastly entertained. It's, it's quite a, a, a technique that's never happened before. Uh, but that's what's happening. That's what's happening. So put bo- I'll put both of those links up tonight for you to see, for those who have got the stomach for it. And sometimes you have to look into hell and understand, to understand what you're really facing. Uh, avoidance doesn't help at all. Uh, this, well, look at the good side. What do you mean the good side of things? No, you, you, can, you must look at the evil side of things. Because you see... Otherwise, it spreads very quickly, and that's a problem. All the New Agers are taught, actually taught, and government likes this. That's why they promote a lot of this New Age stuff, to look on the bright side of things. You know, don't look at the negative, always look at the positive. And then the next thing you know, you're living in some ghetto somewhere, starving to death. Well, that's what happens, you see, if you don't want to see that train. When that train's heading your way, you want to see it coming so you can get off. Otherwise, it goes over you, but that's up to you, of course. And there's also a little rebellion in the UK Parliament about pulling out of the EU. I think 80 uh, members uh, tried to vote to get out of the EU, which is the only safe thing to do, the only sensible and sane thing to do. But it's a global agenda. Cameron's been put in by the big boys. It wouldn't matter who they put in, actually. Uh, they always put their own in on all sides. And... Um, so 483 voted to stay in and against about 111, I think, or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The fact is uh, they're still in the EU, and so they must go the suicidal way of uh, losing all identity and history and everything else. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Daniel from the UK there. Hi, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Yeah, um, you were saying about Australia, where they, uh, they, they, they're trying to force people to do all this uh, medical information. Well, it's similar here, because when the national census came around this year, they said it's a £1,000 fine if you don't fill out the paperwork and send it back. And they asked you all sorts of personal questions that have no bearing on you know, what they were looking into. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I got an electoral register form come round about a month ago, and I don't vote, so I threw it away. And I got a reminder two weeks later, and I threw that away. 
But then um, this Sunday, five o'clock on a Sunday, a woman knocked at the door and said, uh, "You haven't had your form back." Uh, it's on a Sunday. Yeah. Haven't had your electoral register form back. I said, "Well, I don't intend to vote." So, what do you need it for? He said, "Well, it is actually the law. Again, it's thousand pound fine." I said, "Well, could you tell me why it's the law that I have to register, but not the law that I have to vote?" Yeah. And she looked at me and she she didn't know what to say. She said, "I don't make the rules." I said, "Well, um, uh, give me a number of someone who does." Mm -hmm. So she um, she gave me the form and said, "You could phone his number on the back." But the thing is, what I'm trying to say is that. Um, you know, there's no reason why, why they should need to... Well, I can't answer that. Well, why, why would they need to know? It's not the law that you have to vote like in Australia, yet they say you have to register and put the names of all the people in the house with your ages yeah. and everything, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they just sort of... They just force you to do it. It's a legality. When you register something, you're giving away your right uh, to be an individual. Uh, that's a fact with governments. It doesn't matter. Same when you register a vehicle, technically they, they've got a, a hold on that, a lien on that if they want it. Uh, so it's the same thing when you register yourself to vote. doesn't mean you have to vote or you will vote, but, but you're giving them uh, authority over you regardless. Because when someone is, when the other ones vote some party in, that means you're putting yourself under that subjection of that party. Whereas if you didn't fill it in at all, technically, uh, technically and legally, in fact, too, they'd really have no right over you. <laughs> yes. No, I think she was trying her luck, I and mean, I spoke to my mate, and he said, yeah, she probably gets a commission or something like that. It must be an incentive for him to do it overtime or something. I don't know. But with regards to another point, um, you were talking about privatisation of police. Well, I didn't realise, but it's already happened here. I'm sure you probably know. But I was looking at an independent newspaper said G4S, that big company, they got 17,000 um I think it's ex-police on their books, and they actually have them as police in police uniforms sent out to bump up the numbers in various constabularies, and um, they're completely unaccountable. Because there was a testimonial from some family there, there, one of their relatives was beaten up, had brain damage by these police, and there was absolutely no legal recourse because it was private, and they couldn't complain yeah. to the uh, IPCC, their police complaint, because yeah. they were working for G4X. Um, exactly right. what you were talking about the other day. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realise it was already happening here, but um, with regards to that and what you said about this Lord in the 80s that told you the future is going to be run by big companies, um, w will that be the same model as the British East India Company in uh, Asia? Yes. Oh. Yeah. It's going to be worldwide. It's a worldwide system. Uh, and eventually everything that you need, in fact, in society will be privately owned. Even, and eventually it'll be one water company, one food company. No, I'm not kidding you. Uh, and uh, one law company, uh, one law enforcement company. Uh, that's really the goal of it. E even Karl Marx talked about this, you know, in the 1800s. That's what they wanted. Yeah, yeah I understand. Okay, Alan, thanks very much. And thanks for calling in. But, uh, yeah, most folk uh, just go along with it and put up with it and it gets worse and worse. And that's how it always will when bullies are running your lives, are you? From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, a God of your God's school with you. And remember, buy the books and donate and help keep me ticking over. <laughs>